Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. Today's guest is Kate Edgar. Queensland Fire and Emergency Services keeps Kate busy with the corporate relationships that build community and strengthen the organisation, especially supporting the volunteer services of Rural Fire Service and the State Emergency Service. Sponsorship's too common a word for what happens with that, and I would agree with that, Kate, because I've, I've been part of it now. Outside of that work, one of Kate's goals is to build better humans, and Kate uses Taekwondo to do that. She has a solid perspective on people that is stemmed from a generation involved in that combat sport at all levels. She's also spent many years on many committees and boards in sport, events and clubs, and her non-for-profit governance background provides a deep understanding of process and the management of organisational challenges. She supports community as a justice of the peace and in causes around cancer and domestic and family violence recovery. With passions for volunteering, inclusion and sport, and as a wife, mother of adult sons, and a cancer survivor, her busy life still finds times for hobbies of embroidery and medieval history in what can only be described as a hyperactive lifestyle. Kate's personal core values are integrity, respect, courage, and service. And actually reading your bio, uh, what a rich um, fabric of life that you've lived to date. And, uh, and I'm sure you've got plenty more planned. Thank you. Yes, thing, there's thing, lots of plans ahead. Lots of plans and lots of things that you want to do. Today, we're going to talk about collaborative leadership. And it's something that I did ask you, what do you want to talk about in terms of leadership? And you, and you want to talk about the notion of collaboration as a, as a core principle of effective leadership. Where does it come from deep in you? that collaboration is fundamental to leadership? I guess some of that comes from being involved in clubs for so many years. I've seen committees where collaboration hasn't worked and I've found where you can get people who work together effectively, then leadership is easy. Leadership is about bringing everybody with you on the journey and I hate that word journey, but it, that, it kind of fits with with what happens. Everyone has to travel together. You definitely need a leader, but I think everyone needs input or they don't own what's happening moving forward. Charles Darwin, who we all know, you know was a person instrumental to our understanding of life and science on our planet. He had an expression where he said, those who have learned to collaborate and improvise most effectively have prevailed. What's your view on that quote? I think that it's very relevant. It's very important. Those who collaborate really can deliver the goods and that's the main thing. Nobody is able to operate that independently that they can do everything on their own. There's a team behind you no matter what you're doing and if you're leading that team that's a good thing but the team has to be there and you have to be able to collaborate and to do that you've got to communicate well with them. What's been your experience in your martial arts part of your life, you would have seen probably many examples of people who have collaborated 
or have got the skills to be able to collaborate and others who maybe to go back to your point you just made about thinking that people can do it by themselves. What's been the experience in that world? It's an interesting example at the moment with all the COVID stuff happening and we launched some online classes for our Taekwondo club because everything had to close when all the gyms closed and I could have just launched off and done all of that kind of stuff, but we have some wonderful black belts in our club who are very keen and very enthusiastic. So I thought it was better to just get everybody together and we're doing it as a team. So that has succeeded and it's growing and going fabulously. I've seen that through individual examples where people think that they can do it on their own when they come in and do things, but you need a coach and you need supporters out there in what you do doing in order to motivate you to keep going with things. It's hard. Life is hard. Whether it's your martial art getting through the gradings, whether it's achieving your personal goals, or whether it's just life in general, you need your supporters behind you. You need that collaboration amongst people and you need someone who is leading that. Sometimes we can lead that ourselves and sometimes we need a leader for us to follow. Your point about getting people to think differently in the, in the current COVID-19 world. When that effort started to try to get people to do things differently using IT or virtual ways, did you have people who weren't real keen to come along? Yes, we still have people that we're trying to get on board because it's just so different for them. Change is, is difficult, change is complex. People are uncertain, they're nervous, they're afraid. When they don't understand things like technology, it's very complex. We as humans don't like to change. We get in our comfort zone and we just want things to be the same. And they're not ever going to be the same. The only thing constant is change. So we need to be more fluid and more flexible in what we do and adapt to our changing circumstances. And that's hard. That's something that people fight against. Yeah. There's a little story which is, and it's fire service based, which talks to the change point. And it talks about how a crew were working one day that, that on a Sunday they put a, they put a roast in the oven and they enjoy a, you know, a roast uh, lunch. And when there was a, a fairly new member of the team there and they, they, this person watched as the roast was prepared and noted that the actual person who was in charge of the roast uh, proceeded to cut each of the ends off of this uh, large bit of roast meat and then I uh, put it in the tray and, and popped it in the oven and later on they have lunch and he said well, I, I, I don't understand why why you cut the ends off like that and the response was it's how we've always done it and thankfully there was a much senior person there who jumped in and said actually it's because the oven used to be much smaller so we can never <laughs> get the roast in and even now the, the, the oven is much bigger but those traditions and those ways remain. And people sometimes don't understand why they're still doing it exactly the way they do it. Just further on leadership, in respect to your, your and I am particularly interested because you've, you've, you've been a leader at national level within your Taekwondo area of interest. And you would have seen many leaders come and go across that time and, and, and not just leaders as in people who practice the art but administrators and if you if I ask you to look back on that period and and give me a couple of points about what did success look like what were the better ones doing particularly in terms of the way they would collaborate 
I have some wonderful examples in amongst my Taekwondo friends of uh, very strong leaders. And yes, they are, they are the collaborative leaders who are the ones who have succeeded. So Darwin was right. They're the ones who communicate well with uh, with everybody around them and who bring others ahead. It's It's got to not be about them. It's people who are prepared to step up and lead by example, but they make sure that others are stepping up as well. And by bringing others with them on the competition side of things, on the um, the management side of things and by developing other people's skills, that leadership becomes easier and the success becomes better and wider. So I think that is is a really great demonstration of that. So communication, making sure you're developing other people constantly and uh, providing opportunities for other people. You mentioned information and there is some theory in this space of collaboration that says that information in organisations who collaborate quite well flows free and easy, which is really healthy. And I think if I look at the flip side to that, where in organisations where uh, information is held as um, something that someone can use. It almost gets weaponised at times. Yeah, that's a great word, <laughs> weaponised. Yeah, it's it, exactly. So have you seen that where holding information uh, oh, for the point of definitely. personal gain? Yeah. Definitely. There's, how, do you, uh, how do you deal with these people? What do you do? Do you call them out? Do you, do you, uh, if it's getting to that point where the whole uh, organisation or the whole team's being affected, does someone need to step up? I, I don't know that we need to call people out at times. At times it's very tempting, but I don't know that that helps you in the long run. I think we need sometimes to find it find ways for information to be shared and then it becomes evident, self-evident that there are people there who knew, knew the information and didn't share it for whatever reason. So I'm a big believer in the, you know, give someone enough rope and they'll solve the problem themselves, you know. Sometimes you just need to let things happen. I don't like to embarrass people by calling them out and certainly if you call them out then you need to do that one-on-one -on -one first and make sure that you give people an opportunity to manage that in the best way. It's a bit about the whole saving face thing in the, the Asian culture, you know. You want to give people that chance to save face. Yeah, which is which plays very strong, particularly, in, as you said, in, in Asian cultures. If we now look at our, uh, our organisation and particularly, I, I won't even say in particular places, probably right across our service, even within the three services, we see a strong command and control culture. And I understand the, the history of that and the, you know, the notion that uh, when it's all gone bad uh, on an incident ground that we can form a committee and yep. initiate a survey and they, you know, these things are just illogical. So there's a place for command control. Yes. And I, I imagine that even in uh, national organisations that you've been involved in, that there's a time and place for a more direct approach as opposed to times where you should take your, a moment to actually reach out. How do you see that balance being managed? I think command and control is very important, as you said, and in the right situations. In working in the roles I've been in in Taekwondo, we had a number of enormous challenges with governance within the organisation, right up to the point where uh, I 
found it need found it necessary to take legal action uh, against some very um, important people or people who thought they were important. That brought them to the table to have discussions, which was fantastic. And we ended up with a good outcome in the long run, but it took a long time and it got very ugly in that process. What we need to do is to recognise that when when things go bad, command and control has to be the way to go. You need a strong leader who can go, right, we're going to do A, B, C and D. And they've made those decisions very carefully, collaborating with the people that they need to talk to to make those decisions. And then you've got to allow them the respect to let those decisions roll out and give them a chance for that to work. When we're not in those Uh, and I'll call it operational situations, because those operational situations happen whether it's an emergency event or whether it's a sporting event. And some sporting events, I've been competition manager for events that have 3,000 participants, and that's pretty big by way of martial arts. And then you've got spectators and grandstands and, and all sorts of things that can go wrong with your risk calculations. And when you're up against the wall, you need that command and control. But until then, you need to be able to communicate with people because you don't necessarily see everything clearly if you're not working with people and communicating with people because people show you what they think you want to see. And I've struck that where people come to me as a senior instructor in Taekwondo and they present a certain character and then they'll go to somebody else within the class and they may not present such good character. And uh, that becomes a bit challenging. And then you have someone who comes to you and says, well, I've got a problem happening here and I don't know how to deal with that because this is a really bad person. You go, well, that's not consistent with what I'm seeing. So unless you're communicating through all levels of the organisation, you don't see that because people are really good at showing you, as I said, just what they think you should see. And it doesn't always work like that. They don't always show you them, their true selves. And unless you're communicating, if, if command and control is happening, then they're showing you exactly what you need. But unless you're communicating, you don't know whether you can trust them right down to the edge. What I take from that, uh, and just listening to you quite intently, is that if we collaborate well at the right times, get the diverse of opinion, then those moments for command and control, particularly in a non-operational setting should be minimised. Yeah, so the point I'm making is if, Definitely. You, if all the work's been done to get the right people to uh, put, have input, uh, then then we, we have to, we end up being, uh, we end up needing to be less strong at those other moments. Yeah, I think command and control actually works better if you collaborate well outside of when it's needed. So if you communicate and collaborate on a day-to-day basis, then the people who need to respect you will have that respect to enable command and control to work even better than it does right now. Yeah, and I should mention, and we're not going to be able to venture into this any further today, but for the people listening, I'm acutely aware that even in a command and control environment, you can collaborate. And I've yes. seen enough examples of it, particularly when you've got partner agencies involved, particularly larger, longer duration incidents, that has got to happen. Anyway, look, just um, we need to uh, kind of wrap this up a little bit. And at the end of each of these uh, podcasts, I ask the, the, our guests um, the same five questions. So. These questions are they're connected to leadership and communication particularly. So the first question, Kate, what do you wish you really understood? I think what I'd really love to understand better 
is why people can't be more honest with themselves. That's my biggest challenge at the moment. Uh, and we could talk about that um, a, a lot deeper. Uh, the second question, what do you wish that other people understood about you? I would really like people to understand that I have no hidden agenda. My life's an open book. It's a very full book, but it's an open book. And I'll be honest with everybody. There's, there's no shades of grey in honesty with me. Yeah, I'm clear, I'm upfront. What you see is what you get. And that as a concept uh, for anyone listening is something that can really pay dividends. I think life gets easier when you're not having to mm. think about putting things through a filter or choosing quickly in your mind what you're going to express and what you're not going to express. It's a tough gig. Third question, this one's a little bit, little bit odd. What's the strangest question anyone's ever asked you? I had an extremely strange question in an interview I had for an acting role, uh, which you and I have discussed separately, and I won't bring that one up, but that was right up there with those strange questions. I think the strangest one was when uh, I was running the State Association for Taekwondo, and I had an intern working for me, and he'd been working for me for about a week, and he came up to me one Friday morning, and uh, he said, I need to ask you something. And I went, sure, let's go. And he said, do you know how the morning after pill works? And do you know where I can get one for my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that would be in the category of questions that you, you wouldn't expect. Not what you expect from yeah. someone who's been working for you for a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that, that's a good answer. Question four, what type of leader do you prefer? definitely a collaborative leader, someone yeah. who communicates well with people and is happy to make sure that everyone understands that it's not all about them. Excellent. The, uh, the final question, and this one is uh, uh, about communication more directly, uh, how do you prefer to deliver bad news? In person, by text message or by carrier pigeon? I actually know someone who trains carrier pigeons. Uh, but I definitely don't think that bad news should be delivered through that pathway. So, it's so, be so face I shouldn't. Face. I shouldn't ask for that their, their number. That, no, uh, I can uh, give you their number. They're a Taekwondo <laughs> instructor, actually, and that's one of their hobbies. Um, but uh, but no, it's got to be face to face. As tough as it might be, yep. uh, it's got to be. You know, you've got to be able to have a hard conversation, conversation. with people. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That, well, that brings us to our to the end. It's been lovely and quite enjoyable sitting here talking about collaboration in the in the context of leadership. So Kate, I appreciate your time. Got another quote I was going to inject in earlier, but I'll, I'll just get your view on it just before we, we close off. This is a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. A genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a moulder of consensus. What's your view on that quote? That's a great quote because if you're collaborating, you're getting everybody's opinions, you're getting all of that feedback. And then by being a leader, you're making that decision, you're making that choice. And then it's how, how you communicate your strategy from there is the definition of how you lead. Thank you, have a great day.